Welcome to Out of the Question, a podcast that looks behind some common questions and uncovers the question behind the question while providing real solutions for biblical world and life view. Your host is Andrea Schwartz, a teacher and mentor and founder of the Chalcedon Teacher Training Institute. If you live in or near a big city in the U.S., you are reminded almost on a daily basis that there is a growing population of homeless people. Few know who these folks are or why they are homeless, yet many have their theories, which, of course, may or may not be true. My guest today is Troy Martin, who pastors Trinity Covenant Church in Aptus, California, which, if you're not familiar with Aptus, it's just over the hill from Silicon Valley on the Pacific Coast and near the Santa Cruz Mountains. I met Pastor Martin at his church's Christmas service last December, and our conversation included a discussion of homelessness. I discovered that he has done hands-on work among the homeless, and that's why I asked him to join me here today. Thanks for coming on, Troy. Well, thank you for having me. It's good to be here. When we spoke last December, you made the observation that there are misconceptions about the root causes, current situation, and remedies in place for this ever-growing problem. So I'm going to ask you to address the question, whose responsibility are the homeless? Ooh. <laughs> okay. Um, before I answer it, can I, can I tell a story? Uh, oh, absolutely. Let me, let me tell how I got into it because I wasn't aiming at this. Um, but we had, uh, we had 2020 happen and, and, uh, our county, I'm in Santa Cruz County, um, uh, stopped loitering laws. Um, and as soon as, uh, uh the police could not enforce loitering laws, uh, we had this amazing uh, tent city show up right outside the county courthouse. I think at the end, there were 300 to 400 tents there, uh, right at, right at that building. And, um, and I had two church members that lived right next to it, two uh, nice ladies, and, and they used to walk through a park, and now they're walking through a homeless camp. Um, and uh, and so they started talking with people, and they've uh, found out where they're coming from and what where, where all those showed up. And most of them were actually transplants. Um, they, they weren't local homeless. They, they were coming from Berkeley. Uh, they were coming from uh, L.A. and even Portland. Um, and, then, and then we started meeting more more exotic places as time went by. Um, but they, it, word had gone out among a lot of homeless that, that, that Santa Cruz had become a place where you could live um, and, and not be pushed and the police wouldn't ask you to move on. So we, we had a we had this city there. And uh, so so these two ladies asked me if I would uh, get involved with them. And we started walking through the camp and having a Bible study there and inviting people to it. And so I, I learned um, more about what was going on with the homeless problem uh, just by being there and having these Bible studies uh, among the people that were coming down. And, and, and I learned a number of things. Uh, one, um, I, I never, except twice, and this is over hundreds and hundreds of people, uh, I never met anybody that's truly homeless. Um, they all had families that wanted them home, met a number of these families that were looking for people. Um, but but it, all of them, except for two, had a drug problem or, or an alcohol problem. Um, it was all substance abuse. And, and so what when we talk about a homeless problem, uh, what we were actually talking about was was a, a, a drug problem, a drunkenness problem. Um, and so that, you know, that became uh, uh, really what our Bible study started to be. And so when you ask what, what's the solution to all of this? Well, well, 
the beginning is we need to stop thinking about it as a homeless problem. Um, many of these people have homes that want them um, or homes that have wisely said, you can't come here in, until you deal with this. And uh, so that, that's how we got into it. And, and that's how we shaped our ministry and, and our time down there in our Bible studies. Um, now, some people will say, okay, so that was just your experience. That's not true. There may be some legitimate homeless people. And where I live, it's not unusual to see people planted at freeway exits, usually right. not entrances, exits, because, you know, if there's a light there, it'll stop. And you see a lot of signs with hard luck stories. Yesterday, my husband and I saw one that said, our daughter died, we need money for the funeral. And you have this family walking up down the street. And I don't know, I, I, they're really good. Whoever is behind, you know, these kinds of folks or whatever, really good at tucking, tugging on people's heartstrings, right? Do right. you think the reason it's effective is because people aren't connected to a biblical view of charity, to a biblical view of helping those who are less fortunate than we? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I do believe uh, there's, there's, real catastrophes there's real problems and there's real homelessness um and it's true it's anecdotal i just didn't meet it down there um with the 400 tents that we had show up in our county um it there was no true legitimate homelessness there, there were homes there but uh we were dealing uh definitely in a, in a time um when, when you know that, that homelessness can be hidden but that's because there are really is needs out there you meet them i, I work in a church we're, we're constantly helping people that lose their work uh, that have enormous medical bills um that that meet them um, that need help and and the number one way that is usually usually dealt with is by families i mean yeah, the greatest welfare agency is the family right, right. and second to that is the, the church has stepped in um, and, and, and I think the family needs to come first. I think that's what Paul is setting up in first Timothy five, when, when he's talking about the, the, the widows that are truly widows, you know, the church can help, but if there's any family out there, make, make sure they're doing it first. Uh, so, so there's two agencies working and then the family is going to deal with more sick, more elderly, um, more care is going to go on there than anywhere else. Uh, and, and then the church can step in and, and even help on the side, you know, in, in big cases, but most of this is going on um, because uh, the, the state is getting involved or the state is wanted. You know, I, where we were having um, our Bible studies with the homeless, that there was actually uh, Elm Street Mission just down the way. Uh, and many of the homeless wouldn't go there. You know, they would get a free meal um, that I know the pastor that works there. And he, he has you just have to listen to a sermon <laughs> if you're going to get a meal and, and, and they'll help you. And, and, and people wouldn't go because they didn't want to have to listen to a sermon. You know, and, and so uh, th there's a lot of the ministries that the church is doing is is with hostility, even by the homeless that just like, oh, there's there's more options out there. I, I don't want to I don't want to get charity um, in any biblical sense. So in your experience with these 400 tents, were the people happy living there? In other words, were they complaining about the situation? They didn't have this, they didn't have that. Or did they seem to really enjoy this setup? <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, there's things that people say and then they're what they're living in. Um, I would say uh, there both there was a mixed review. Uh, but towards the end, the, our, our county has moved that tent camp. And, I, and I'm grateful for that. Um, 
but as it was ending all of this support for it, like we were finally free, you know, we're finally living how we've always wanted to live. Um, just came out. And actually when I, when the camp started showing up, I met that daily. I met a number of people that would say, I am so grateful. I'm not in buildings anymore. That was summer though. I think that was July. And we live in a nice coastal region. So people could walk down to the beach, you know, get wet, come back. Um, it wasn't bad, but then we, we hit January and, and this place was actually a, a riparian area, right, right where it floods. And, uh, so January time, we're, we're still trying to minister down there. And, and it looked like, Hurricane Katrina, you know, the, the, the river had risen, the, the, they would sweep their tents away, mud had come up, uh, you know, to people's ankles, and and there were just rats everywhere, as far as oh, you wow. could see. And we were, you know, we would have these Bible studies with people, and, and I would say, this is again, a guesstimation, but somebody was dying weekly that we would meet, you know, or we would know them for about four Bible studies, and, and then they would die. And I mean, it was a dangerous area to live, uh, dangerous mainly because of what people were doing to themselves. Um, mostly it was overdosing on fentanyl, um, but just, you know, uh, infections, infections that would go too far, not be addressed. And, and, and then just many people would get sick from disease carrying rodents down there. I mean, it was a terrible place to live. So even when people would tell you, we love it down here, it was, it was the, the openest door that I had been to heaven uh, here. I mean, people were just dying or um, they were going to another place, but constantly. I see. Okay. What was the demographic? Did you have families? Did you have mostly men? Were there men and women? What, who did you encounter? Yeah, but mostly men and women. Uh, we did meet families. We meet ch- children down there. Uh, one of the ladies started bringing um, uh, a number of the young kids to, uh, to youth groups uh, in local churches that were close to this. And, and, uh, you know, tried to help them in other ways, but so it was everywhere. And, and again, people were coming to Santa Cruz, uh, because there was, there was so much freedom to be homeless there and, and so much support down there, but it was everyone. I mean, I would say, uh, mostly uh, we could get, uh, older men to our Bible study, the easiest and older women. Um, when you say older, like over 40, over 50, what are we talking about? Yeah, uh, 60 plus really is what I mean. Uh, because most of that, that older generation was addicted to the bottle and, and uh, you can actually uh, get sober. But, but a lot of the, as you got younger, the drugs got harder, you know, and, and mostly uh, there's nothing more useless than trying to have a Bible study with someone on meth. It just doesn't go anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. and, and most of the time they're pretty hostile uh, anyways and don't want to be there. Um, so yeah, uh, the demographic I was working with was an older generation. I see. I see. Well, I guess that makes sense. Um, Now, I was having a conversation with someone recently, and he was lamenting that there is no solution to the homeless problem. That's how he put it. And what he was saying was that, you know, the government doesn't really deal with it, and the church talks a big issue. But, you know, the first thing I think about is that the Bible says, if you don't work, you shouldn't eat. And for some people, that's about as hard as you can get, how uncaring, how unloving that is, that you should require someone to work. Did you find that there were people who wanted to exchange for the help you were giving them? Uh, yeah, on a limited basis. I mean, I, who, who you were talking to, I, I might want to disagree with them. Uh, and I do believe in, in, in giving charity out. I mean, I mean, think uh, Paul... Is it Ephesians where, where he says, uh, let those who steal, steal no longer, but right. rather let him labor working with his hands that he may have something to give those in need. 
So there is a understanding that that we're going to work and we're going to work so that we can give. Uh, you have to have private property in order to do biblical charity. You know, you, right. you have to own something. Um, so, I, so I believe in that. And sacrifice is a good thing. Um, but that's why it needs to come from individuals, because if you're sacrificing, you're, you're going to be hesitant giving it to someone that's going to go spend it on alcohol you know, or, or, on, or on harder drugs. I did learn while I was in the camp the term spange. Um, I didn't know what it was, but uh, it was talking with a couple and, and it was going pretty well. They had a young child down there in the camp. And, but he, uh, he, he, the, the wife came out and she had an empty vodka bottle and she said, honey, we need to go spange. And uh, I said, what does that mean to the, the man? And he said, oh, you know, spare change when you go out on the side of the road and you hold up a sign like this. And he held up a cardboard sign like you were talking about, you mm-hmm. know, vet, vet needs help. And uh, he says, and you know, we we get money. Um, we can go down to food, not bombs, and get food. You know that there's meals at Elm Street Missions. So when we we hold up the money, it's because we just they needed a vodka bottle. So Spange, spare Spange. Things, interesting, please. interesting. So there are services around, and it's from what you just said, some people take advantage of it, some people don't, but um, they don't want to be required, even as little as sitting through someone talking to them. So do you find that there's a real sense of entitlement, like somehow or other everybody owes them something? Yeah, I do. But I think that's secondary. I mean, really what we have is we have a drug problem. And I do think the homeless problem um, would likely go away or would be in a form that we're not dealing with right now if we were dealing again with a war on drugs or something like that. I mean, I think... uh, uh, I don't want to get overly political in this, but <laughs> oh, you're allowed. <laughs> I'm a, I'm in California, and you're in California, and, and I, I think just uh, Gavin Newsom just again uh, has been seeking to sign bills into funding uh, homelessness. You know, and, and uh, then the last one was 12 billion, and before that, I, I think you know we, we something 11 billion or something like that has gone into it. But you look at the the years of it, and it's funny because I now work with many of the state uh, homeless advocates down there, and, and you know they, they'll say, oh. Uh, homelessness has written, risen by 50% since 2014. Well, I think that's amazing because I was reading an article back in 2014 that that finally the coffin has been closed on the war against drugs in California because, you know, on November 4th, we voted for uh, no more uh, nonviolent drug users to go in jail. And then you know, and I live here. And so in 2016, Prop 64 went and, and marijuana is legal. You know, it, it's amazing that if you put the two statistics together, uh, homelessness has been rising exactly at the same time as we have been stopping dealing with drugs, you know, uh, we, we're letting people do it. And so this is what you get, you know, California enacts laws that, that reform the criminal justice system and reduce the population in the state's prisons. Where are they going? I mean, I'm dealing with them. I'm having Bible studies with them. I didn't actually, uh, I, I met some people that had not been to jail, but I would say anecdotally, the overall uh, person I met with had spent some time in jail you know, and, and they didn't have to spend very long. Um, so that, you know, I'm dealing with our decisions. Um, right. So right. If says, there's no solution. Well, there were different problems. <laughs> right. And, and I think that we've been commissioned as the church of Jesus Christ to solve problems, but it doesn't help to solve a problem if you diagnose it incorrectly. Well, and so that's why I, I was interested when we had our conversation, because you were saying, okay, it's not this, it's really something else. And as long as we pretend it's this, we're not going to have a solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. So 
you know, our county, I think, is uh, helping with with homelessness more than it was before. Um, I know our county is buying more housing for homelessness. And, and what, you know, New York has a terrible homeless problem, but only 5%, I think, are on the streets in the evening. And, and the statistic is like five or six times higher for California. Well, that's just because we haven't been housing um, <laughs> the homeless. But we're moving that way as Santa Cruz County. And, and what that's going to do is just a misdiagnosis. As you said, we're going to have uh, more drug use. We're just going to now uh, give it a place to be off the street, but that's just going to make it even safer to do. And we'll see more of it. You, know, you get more. Exactly. So this begs the question, if it's a problem and it keeps growing and the solutions funded or posited aren't reducing it, could you say the homeless are the clients of a status bureaucracy? In other words, if it went away, if it was actually rectified, wouldn't a lot of people lose their jobs? <laughs> yes, uh, that's a that well said. But I think a lot of those jobs are more recent. Uh, and uh, I don't think, you know, I worked with a number of advocates. There's money to be had there. Uh, so definitely um, they're working because they can get paid working with it. I, towards... For, for another story, uh, when the county was actually getting rid of the homeless camp and, and they had spent a lot of time and gotten a lot of injunctions from judges not allowing them to move it. And finally, they removed it. Um, but all of a sudden, these two tents showed up in our homeless camp, which just had giant cables uh, hooking up all these computers inside. And I had been there for two years. You know, it was just it was terrible. It was a 1800s town, no electricity, you know, oil lamps. Um, and then all of a sudden there's computers in, in these two tents. Somebody has a lot of money, you know, and, and they're having people sign petitions out there. So there's money to be had, but I didn't meet anybody that was working with the homeless that wanted this as a, as a, as a career choice. You know, this I is see. just where the money was. Um, you know, in San, in San Jose, um, talk about how we're not talking about people who aren't smart or aren't educated. There is a whole group of homeless encampments that had figured out a way to pull electricity from residents. And they were actually, people were trying to figure out why their electric bill was so much higher than their use. And then they discovered that they were being stolen from, right? right? right. And I don't know. I mean, I'm not an electrician. I don't know enough about these things to know how hard it is to do, but you get to see that if you subsidize sin in any form, you get more of it, right? Right, right. yes. So that's what's being done. It's being subsidized. Absolutely. And and we'll deal with problems until uh, um, the world is perfected, but but problems do get conquered. New ones show up. Thank God. That usually means you've, you've passed one test and you get to another one. We just, we've made a new problem for ourselves and, and largely it's a drug problem, not a homelessness problem. And you want to diagnose it so you don't give the wrong solution. We don't need housing. You know, all you're doing is housing for drug addicts. Right. And I'm, I'm told a lot of people, you give them housing, they don't want to go. So you can spend all the money, you can give them their own little cottage, and they would rather, or it looks like they would rather sleep on the street. Yeah. They- I, I mean, I... That's a, that might be a seasonal thing. Uh, every winter, everybody wanted to be back in a house. And in the summer, they would tell me how wonderful it is not living in a house. But, you know, uh, when when you're homeless, you are uh, the child of the weather, um, at least where we are. And, and we've had a pretty bad, bad winter so far. That's true. So I know that aside from pastoring the church, you're very involved in Christian education. Right. So the question is, 
Are we seeing the lack of the ability to deal with this because so many people have been educated in state schools and the modern media certainly never presents a biblical view that it's as much that you got to help the homeless, but you also have to help the people who posit these solutions and agree with them and are willing to vote for more money or more housing. Yeah, absolutely. And if I go back to, you know, my, my contention that this is really a drug problem. I used to be a vice principal in a school before the one uh, our church started and did that for 17 years. And one of my jobs was uh, to work with uh, kids that had learning disabilities, you know, and, and, and basically kids that were on medication and uh, and what shocked me in all that time is just how much it increased over time. We're giving more and more medication to kids, uh, more and more uh, drugs to kids. And then we we, we let them go. We're a drug culture. We're making uh, we're teaching kids how to use drugs earlier on uh, to get benefits from them. Actually, we're teaching their parents how to use drugs for their kids early on. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yes. Because they can't get it on their own when they're eight and nine years old. Yeah. Right. And so, yeah, this, I mean, this is taught young, which is your point. And, and, uh, we're, we're, we're making a culture which sees drug use as good. And I think Gavin Newsom, our governor, again, uh, was just giving a, a press talk, oh, maybe a month ago in which he said self-medication is something that we just need to buy is normal for, for people. Okay. Well, you know, here we go. This is, this is what this culture gets. You know, we, we now have a, our head of our, our, our state saying crazy stuff, you know, about, uh, the goodness of, of being able to medicate yourself in any way you want, and right. unless it's more on drugs. So yeah, we're heading that way. The pro- our problem is we're naming it wrong. You know, yes, exactly. So I, I've been hearing public service announcements that said that say things like, "If you're feeling depressed, suicidal, and everything, that's normal." And it's like, wow, when did depression and thoughts of suicide become normal? Well, I think you're. We've just sort of put a a boundary around where this idea is coming from. And so now you can convince people that um, it's normal to be depressed. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and that's a lot of, that's a lot of what this idol is in the end, the drug usage idol. Um, why, why do people do drugs? Uh, because they don't like what they're feeling. And that's at least what we're teaching, teaching in school. I, I don't like how I'm acting. I don't like how I'm feeling or for the parents. I don't like how my kid is acting. And as opposed to discipline, uh, self-discipline or teaching discipline, um, we chuck it away. And it, and it works for a while. Um, you can feel different by what you right. take. And then that goes on, you know, and I met some wonderful men, but they, they had some of them said, oh, I've been homeless since 12. Well, this was an older man. I think he was in his 80s. Um, and uh, he just early on, he said, had gotten into a bottle and, and it was a wonderful way to live. And he said <laughs> that was that was his statement. Right, right. I just I can. Uh, don't have to feel bad about life when I've got a bottle. All right. Thank you for your honesty. That is exactly what it is. We have an idol for our feelings and and that's probably the base of it all. Right. Do Um, you find in these camps, or at least the ones you were um, walking amongst, there are a lot of immigrants, people who come from other countries, or are we looking about born and bred Americans? Born and bred Americans. I actually didn't meet one immigrant. Oh, that's not true. I did. Um, I met some Africans uh, down there, I think from uh, Cameroon, but uh, but almost to the person uh, I'm you're dealing with people that have come from homes, uh, come from usually pretty affluent homes uh, and, and are, are out there. That's not always the case, especially as, as uh, the demographic got older. 
uh, and I live in Santa Cruz, so you know we're a we're a beach community, a tourist community, uh, and, and you know kind of a bedroom community now for Silicon Valley. And a lot of these, the younger people you would talk to, come from really wealthy households. I remember, uh, but Bible study one day, uh, we having a young man there, um, and his mom came down looking for him, and she was a UCSC professor. You know, she just she had just taught a class, and then she went looking for her son in the homeless camp. Um, yeah. Well, this is a problem, I think, with affluence, because affluence uh, usually can can get the drugs earlier and faster. Um, right. And, and then I live in Watsonville, so I live down in a, in a migrant community, and uh, we don't have a homeless, the same homeless problem down here. Um, we have a lot of work going on down here. Uh, there are problems down here, and there are poverty problems down here, but they're different, very, very different. Yeah. Uh, this isn't one of them, and drug usage isn't the same. So when we talk about we have to you know, fix our poverty problem or inflation problem, whatever, by identifying it incorrectly, you end up with unusual solutions, which, as we said earlier, won't work. How decked out with technology are people in homeless camps? They all have (laughs) phones? Do they all have, you know, email that they can do? Right. Yeah. I mean, you can get a free phone if you're homeless. Um, (laughs) So when I would be in the camp, we we would just have uh, T-Mobile and AT&T employees walking through, passing out phones. Uh, you, you, uh, you, the state pays for it. Our tax dollars pay for it. Uh, they all have phones and, and they, the biggest problem is just keeping it charged. Yeah. That, that was usually the frustration, but you know, I was, I didn't talk with anybody that wasn't connected. I, I shared my number with a number of the homeless uh, technology, at least in, in phones is pretty normal. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, most, a small little economy even developed down there, uh, fixing bikes, um, helping people get tents. I mean, there, there was a, there was a barter system uh, in these 300 tents, 400 tents. And uh, they, they were keeping themselves going. I mean, humans are ingenious, even when they're on drugs uh, on how to get more. And uh, so that, you know, there's work going on and because that's what we're made for. We're made for working. Right. Exactly. An enterprise. So was there a lot of crime in the camp? Were there rapes? Were there thefts? Were people, um, you know, fighting and and having, I mean, I'm not sure who would be called in at that point to adjudicate the problem. Um, what did, what was that like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, constantly, constantly. And, and we, we would get uh, donations of sleeping bags that we would um, pass out down there. Uh, and uh, we would, we started to only give them to ladies. Uh, they were, they were the most stole stolen from the most were women um it was terrible down there i mean we would just watch fighting happen constantly i think i called 911 more in my during my bible studies than any other time in my life wow and and you know and you would have the policemen show up and uh you would talk with them and and I, one of them told me one time that they get more calls to that homeless camp when it was there than anywhere else in the county I mean, it was just kind of constant they had a they had a whole unit just ready for it at any moment um so yeah, crime was incredible down there. And a lot of it, uh, you know, not uh, malicious, yes, but but you know, premeditated, no. I, most of what goes on down there is I see something, I want it. I get mad and I scream or I hit. Um, I see. Kind of like kindergarten, preschool. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I yeah. do that too. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. So um, as you look at the terrain, you know, <laughs> I don't, you don't sound and you didn't sound hopeless when we were talking. 
It's just that you seem to have a time frame that's going to say this isn't going to be fixed in 30 minutes, 60 minutes, 30 days, 60 days. It might take 30 years, but you're not despondent over that. Right. (laughs) Yes, very much so. I mean, the Lord's way is regeneration. I would love to change the laws and what we've been doing in California. Um, But that's um, I get a vote and that's as far as that usually gets to go for me. Um, but but I get I get to work with people in the gospel daily down there. And we did see success stories. The funny part about working in the, the homeless camp and having success stories, the gospel grabs someone, they, they return to Christ because they had been away, is that we didn't see them anymore. Um, you know, they, they go home, um, they right. go back to family, they go back to a wife, or they go back to parents. Um, a few times we helped uh, people that, uh, that uh, didn't have anywhere to go, but that was very rare. Uh, and most of them have had... Uh, most of the people we worked with and we saw them do well have had an invitation to return home. And so, you know, when you say there's no solution, there is, there's the family. Uh, we yes. just got to rebuild the family. And a lot of these people actually have families that are functioning and, and families that they would go back to in a second if they weren't on drugs or weren't in a bottle. So are there ways to find out who these families are and help the families have methods and, and strategies to get their loved ones back? I mean, how, ha- by their conversation, you found out that they did have a family. Um, is there a place? I mean, is that what we should be looking at? Helping the families to see their responsibility and help them with strategies to bring their their people back? Well, maybe. I mean, if the family were in the church for me, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think I would do it. I mean, every family. I don't think all these pe- families that people went back to were always healthy families, but they did have families, you know, and, and these families would help them. Uh, let, let me tell another story just for the sake of it. I, I met a guy down there and I got to watch the whole evolution of this homeless camp. And he was a young man uh, and uh, his parents had kicked him out uh, for marijuana uh, usage. And, and uh, he went with his grandparents who thought his parents were being too, too harsh. And then they kicked him out. Um, he had a car and, you know, and he had a job when I met him um, and he had a band he was part of. And then uh, he uh, met him his first day in the camp. Uh, his parents or grandparents had just kicked him out and, and he was ecstatic. He just thought it was the funnest place to be. And there were so many interesting people to meet and he loved and he would go. He said, I'm not really homeless because I still have a car and he would go park and you know, sleep in his car at night and then come out and he could drive away at any time he wanted. And then we saw him the next week and, and uh, he's still ecstatic about his time in the camp. And he said, I have been introduced to just some of the best drugs ever. Oh, wow. <laughs> and he was coming to our, our Bible study because he was in his, mostly in his right mind when we met him. Um, but he was excited about what he was doing. And then and I think a month went by and I saw him and he was pale and dark rings under his eye. And he said, I think I hurt myself, you know, and, and uh, fried something upstairs. And uh, and we heard he was still around, but that he he was incapacitated most of the time now, and and uh, his car had been towed, and he had nowhere to go. Um, so that's when I, when I say, well, I know there's a family, but I think the family did the right thing uh, by saying you can't come here uh, with you do that. He he was on a trajectory. I, I don't think they did the wrong thing. No, no, I agree. I agree. Um, and I think consequences are good. Um, I, I don't. I, it might sound harsh, but um, we were in a place where where people were in a life and death situation, their choices were killing them. And we were watching it happen weekly and it was wonderful. Um, all things considered to be able to present the gospel and to see it, it save people. Um, you know, see, see it work, see people return to their faith, return to their families. Yes. So that and, is how the church is the church. 
not on a grandiose, we have this plan and tomorrow, you know, the problem will be solved. It's like one person at a time, understanding self-government, and then the family realizing they're the first line of defense. Right. Absolutely. I, I don't think it's by uh, chasing the consequences away. It's it's rather by chasing people to Christ who, who who takes our sin, you know, and that's the way we're going to see changes because what we need is new people. You know? Right. Right. You, you can't you can't spend money on housing and make it go away. You can't spend money on, on needle programs and make it go away. Um, none of that works. Um, you can you can be kind, uh, you can be gracious and you can have a door to the gospel and you can have new people. And that's how we're going to overcome this problem and every other problem, because all our problems are sin problems in the end. Yes. Yes. Well, rather than doing because I was curious to know when they relocated this camp, you said relocated. You didn't say they disbanded it. So what was the lucky community that got it? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, they did. They did uh, remove the community, and, and a lot of uh, a lot of people left town. Um, but they 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 were just making more housing uh, for the homeless than ever before. Um, unfortunately, I so far I have not been able to find a group that will let me do a Bible study with them. Um, but mainly that's because this, the county is hard to work with on that. Um, mm-hmm. So we've been, I'm still going up and down sidewalks, um, you know, meeting one or two of, of the people we met before. Um, but I think a lot of it has just moved. Uh, a lot of it moved back to LA. That sounds like I a see, lot of it back I see. Portland. And uh, I, I don't think they moved them to any part in our county <laughs> that I know I of, any, except into housing. Uh, and a lot of the families have gotten housing now. I see. So, you're obviously not depressed over this. You don't feel that because the majority of people didn't respond to your message that you failed. How do you not become cynical? Well, uh, Jesus is on the throne. Uh, he, he's he's ruling and reigning, and this is his world, and he's on a cleanup project, and, and uh, I'm grateful uh, that he saved me, and, and I get to keep uh, uh, working in his world, but... You know, we, we, uh, we're on a, he owns the place and, and this is, this is the problem now to make a pastor's analogy. Um, I bought a house, I think six years ago now, and, and I bought a house of problems. Um, Jesus, uh, compared to that, bought the fixer upper of fixer uppers. Uh, I've had to get rid of a lot of things and, and replace all the things, but they're my problems. And, and I'm not depressed that they're my problems because it's my house. <laughs> Thank exactly. you. God gave me one in. Jesus owns a house now. Uh, this world is his and, and it's a fixer upper and it's going to take long time, but it's not a problem because he owns the place. So this Amen is how to that. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for um, your insights and your stories. I like your stories. I like when people say, I have a little story to tell you. I like that. Um, <laughs> let's say someone finds themselves in the Santa Cruz area. Um, I imagine you'd welcome them to come to church uh, give us your contact information where they can find out more about you because inevitably people say, I want, I want to talk to that guy. All right. Well, we're Trinity Covenant Church. We're in Aptos, 1940 Benita Drive. And, uh, I'm Pastor Troy Martin and we meet every, uh, Sunday at 10 and have Sunday school before that. And we'd love to see anybody that comes on by. And if you happen to live in the area and want a good Christian school, they've got that too. Yeah, we have St. Abraham's Classical Christian Academy, and I think we're ooh, 15, 16 years now. It's one of those funny things where it started a long time before it started. But <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. And I happen to know the people who helped start it, and that's why I was at your Christmas service this year, or last year, I should say, because a lot of the people who are active in your congregation as parents and with their children 
I knew them as children, and it's exciting to see what happens when um, children who were raised in the faith continue on and live out that faith. Yeah, we we have a multi generational church. Uh, I, I I tend to say that I'm the third generation um, going back, and uh, and we're we're raising the next two. And I look forward to seeing what what uh, God's faithfulness does as as uh, we keep having a number of kids uh, rise up and name the Lord and and work for Him in the time they have and to bring Santa Cruz to Christ. So yeah. Amen to that. All right. Listeners, as always, you can reach me at out of the question podcast at gmail.com. Pastor Troy, thanks. Thank and, you. Uh, we'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening to Out of the Question. For more information on this and other topics, please visit calcedon.edu.